We had a great visit to Iowa last week, getting to visit with Bill and Gretchen at, at their church. Several people have asked us how our trip went, and when they've asked me how the trip was, I say, it was good. And they ask, well, did you have a good time? And we say, yes, we had a, we had a very good time. And people ask me, for some reason, people ask me if I eat any good food. And I say, well, yes, we ate some good food. Bill and Gretchen took us out for barbecue after church last week. It was amazing. It was, it was really good. And, and they asked me, how was the church? I said, well, church was good. They said, how'd your sermon go? And I say, the sermon was good. And then I ask, how did, Bill, how did Bob's sermon go? As Bob was here preaching last week, I say, how did Bob's sermon? And everybody says, Bob's sermon was good. And I, that's wonderful. And then people ask me, how did Connor do with the drive to Iowa and back? And I say, he was good, you know, could have been better, but, but it, was, it was good, to which people respond and they say, well, good. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's, that's good. We use the word good to describe the trip, the experience, the food, the worship, and my son's behavior, and a myriad of other things. And then we listen to Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 19, in verse 16, we read, Behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. Why does Jesus suddenly put the skids on how we use the word good and what the word good should be reserved for? Why does He view good with such exclusivity that only God is good? I'll I'll tell you why He does it. Because He's doing one of those Jesus things. You know what I mean? One of those things that Jesus does. Every now and then, Jesus does one of those Jesus things where He wants you to think about what you're saying. He wants you to think about what you believe. He wants you to think about what you want from him. Jesus is saying, are you really paying attention to what you're saying? And so Jesus goes on and he says, there is only one who is good. God is good. There's only one. And then the Apostle Paul comes along and he gives us the fruit of the Spirit. You guys remember the fruit of the Spirit? Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, and self-control. You know, if we think of our faith as a produce stand, or we think of our faith as a, as a farmer's market, some of you have been going to the farmer's market lately, goodness is one of the things that we produce. Goodness is one of the things that we offer uh, at our produce stand. And in, in many ways, that, that idea of goodness, goodness defines our faith. Goodness defines who we are and goodness defines the effect that we are to have in the world. But do we define our goodness? Do we define our goodness by who we are? Or do we define our goodness by what God has planted in our lives? Let's look at the story here in Matthew chapter 19. It's on page 824 if you want to follow along in those Bibles in front of you. Matthew 19 verses 16 through 22, again, beginning from, the, from verse 16. Behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he, that is Jesus, Jesus said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, 
you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, All of these I have kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell all that you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell the same story. Each one of them gives us a few different details. In Mark, we're told that the young man ran up to Jesus. That he was excited. That he was, he was wanting to engage Jesus. He, he ran up to Jesus. And yet in all three Gospels where we have this story, every one of them, he, he slinks away sorrowful. He, he goes away sorrowful. He goes away defe- defeated and deflated and lost and sad. But you know, Jesus stands there in this encounter with this young man and And I think he stands there in his encounter with us and he's asking us, are you really paying attention? Have you really thought this through? Do you really understand what goodness is about? Because like the man in the story, sometimes, we'd have to admit, sometimes we make goodness all about ourselves. We make goodness about who we are and, and what we do. And you really hear that in the man's question. He says, teacher, what good deed must I do? Must I do to have eternal life? What's required of me to earn my place in heaven? Now, I know you well enough. And you know the gospel well enough. I I know how you would answer that. You would say that's ridiculous because you can't earn your way into heaven. You can't earn a spot into heaven. Salvation is a free gift of God. It's a free gift of grace. You don't earn it. It is given to you. I know you would say that. You know that I would say that. We know that to be the truth. But I also know that we keep lists. We keep lists of things that we've done. We keep lists of of things that we've done. and, And we feel pretty good about those lists. We've done a lot of good things. We've done some great things. We've done some good things in the last couple of months. We've given to world missions. We've given to to local needs. We've dropped our dollars in the the generous buckets. Last month, we sent nearly $2,000 to Bill and Gretchen Holly's daughter as she is moving to Texas to join with a a mission group that that builds houses in Central America in some very very poverty-stricken areas. And that's a very good thing that we did and we, are, we have encouraged and blessed a lot of people. But you know as well as I do that none of those things earn us our salvation. And yet, we keep track of them because we're, we're good people. We have a list of things we've done. We also have a list of things we haven't done. So we didn't do that. We have a list of things we haven't done. We have a list of sins we haven't committed. We have a list of ways that we have not taken advantage of people, and we can point to other people who have done those things, and we can say, well, I may not be good, but at least I'm not that person. (laughs) At least I'm not that bad. I may not be good, but at least I haven't done that. And sometimes we have other lists. Sometimes we even have lists of things that we would do, things that we that we plan on doing, things that we would do if we could, if we were given a chance. If I ever make it big, 
if I ever strike it rich, if I ever get out of debt, I'm going to do this. <clears throat> Can I tell you something? I haven't preached for a couple weeks. Uh, so I think I'm, I think it's, I think I'm due just to make, maybe make you mad a little bit. I don't, I'm not going to make everybody mad. But let me just say this. If Jesus was really concerned about what you would do if you won the lottery, you would have won the lottery by now. If Jesus was really concerned about what you would do for Him with all that money if you won the lottery, you would have won the lottery by now. Now I say that because I can't tell you the number of times I've had someone come up to me and say, if I ever win the lottery, here's what I'm going to do. Well, if Jesus was worried about that, you would have won the lottery. If I ever win the lottery, I'm going to tithe 10% of it to the local church. I hope you tithe 10% anyway. We're supposed to do that. You know, we, we've talked about that. If I ever win the lottery, I'm going to build a church in Africa. That's great, but you know, you don't have to win the lottery to build a church in Africa. It costs about $5,000 to build a church in Africa. That's, that, that's pretty easy. We can do that today. If I ever win the lottery, I'm going to pave the parking lot. I will pray for you to win the lottery right now. I will, I will lay hands on your lottery tickets. I will anoint them. That's a wonderful thing. But we have all these ideas about what we would do. How we would be faithful. How we would be so good. If you would just trust me with that big lotto winning, I will be so good. Be good anyway. Be good today. If Jesus was concerned about what you would do with the lottery, you would have won it. Instead, He wants you to be faithful today. He wants to see the goodness in what you have right now. And that's what he's getting at with the man in this story. It's not about what your goodness says about you. Instead, Jesus defines goodness with the character of God. He uses the character of God to define goodness for us. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And then you hear Jesus' response. He said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good if you would enter eternal life, keep the commands. Keep the commands. That makes sense. I mean, we understand that. But did you notice what happens next? Jesus says, keep the commands. That, that, seems, that seems logical. That seems right. And we understand that. But, but look at the next question. Verse 18, the young man says, which ones? Well, we have a list of ten, you know? There's a, it's a top ten list. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a top ten list. It's like those things on the internet. You know, here are God's top ten commandments. Number six will shock you. You know, it's like those things. You see those things on there? It's just like one of the... No, we, we have a list. But you see, this guy had his own list. Which ones? He, he had his own list because he knew that there were ten commandments. But he knew that there were some that were more important than others. There were some we need to take a little bit more seriously than the other commandments. And so Jesus, being Jesus, He gives the guy a list. I guarantee you it wasn't His list. It's not the ones that He thought was most important. Instead, Jesus, Jesus says in verse 18, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus gives him the wrong list. Because you see, the Jews being... The Jews considered the big ones to be the ones that affected my relationship with God. That I would 
keep His name holy. That I would set aside the Sabbath to honor Him. That, that I would have no other gods before Him. Those were the important ones to the Jews. The commandments about how we relate to other people, those were secondary. We didn't have to worry about those. But we had to worry about how we were relating to God. Jesus turns it around. And He says the way that you show your devotion to God is in the way that you treat other people. And so He gives them that list of commandments. The, the commands that touch other people's lives. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Don't lie about other people. Don't steal from other people. And then He throws in an extra one and He says love your neighbor as yourself. That's not even in the top ten, but He throws that one in. And what Jesus is doing is He's making our connection to God about how we treat other people. He's making our connection to God about the way that we treat other people. And we desperately need to hear that. We, we completely need to hear that. Too often, we make faith about the things that we do vertically. We make faith about the things we do for God. Well, I showed up at church Sunday morning. Good for me. You know? I, I gave some money. Good for me. I, and these are all wonderful things. Church attendance, prayer, Bible reading. Those are all important. Don't get me wrong. Those are very important. But if, but if our goodness isn't seen in how we treat other people, what makes you think it's goodness? If it's not seen in the way we take care of others, why would we even think that that's goodness? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Remember the very next verse, the next verse from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Verse 23 says, of the fruit of the Spirit, against such things there is no law. There is no law against love. There's no law against joy. We do not have uh, an ordinance in the village against patience, okay? You can be as patient as you want. No one's going to write you a citation for being too patient. It's not going to happen. You realize what Jesus is saying and what Paul is saying here, that against such things there is no law. By the Jewish standards, these things won't keep you from God. You cannot find a commandment in the Bible that says, thou shalt not be good. It does, doesn't exist. Thou shalt not be good doesn't exist. Doing good is at the heart of the commandments. And there is no way that doing good will keep you from God. In fact, what, what Jesus longs for in, in, in this man's life, what He wants this man to see, and what He wants us to see, is that the closer we get to Jesus, the more His goodness shines through us. As we grow closer to Jesus, it's not about our goodness, it's about His goodness shining through us. This, this young man's question was all about what he could do. How could he prove his worthiness of heaven? How could he prove his devotion to God? That he had earned his place and then Jesus instead wants us to consider what can I do that will draw me closer to God? How can I get so close to His goodness and His love that His presence shines through me? Verse 20, the young man says to Jesus, all of these I have kept. What do I still lack? Let me tell you, if you ever try to make salvation about what you can do, you are always going to lack. If you make salvation about how good you can be and what, what good things you can do, you will never do enough. If you make your worthiness of heaven about how much you can give, how much you can serve, you will never give or serve enough. You will always find yourself lacking. You will always find yourself uncertain about heaven. And you always find someone else who's a little bit better than you. 
But I want you to hear what Jesus tells him in verse 21. Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. You see, doing good deeds wasn't wrong. Doing good deeds was, was not wrong. Jesus wanted this man to do good, but He wanted him to have the proper perspective. It's not about our goodness. It's about Jesus' goodness shining through us. Go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor. The desire to do good was not the problem. The problem was he didn't have the proper perspective. It's not about what I can gain. Is it? It's, instead, it's about what others will gain as I give, as I, as I do good. That's something that, that we need to consider about the good things that we do. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount that the good things that we do are a light that shines in our world. The good things that we do are a light that shines in our community and in our world, and that light is to draw people to Him. And they are important, and they are a necessary reflection of our connection to Jesus. Last weekend, we, we did have a great time in Iowa. We really enjoyed visiting with Bill and Gretchen. And you know, Bill, Bill bragged on you guys uh, at church last Sunday. He was so blessed by all that we did for him two weeks ago. It was just a, a wonderful time, and it was so encouraging. And then as we, as we had lunch together, we got to spend some more time with Gretchen. And Gretchen was telling us about this organization that she's working with, this, this ministry that she works with. It's called Sleep in Heavenly Peace. I'm not sure if any of you have heard of, of Sleep in Heavenly Peace. But it, it began because someone found out that there were little children in their community that were sleeping on floors. There are little children in their community that that were sleeping on floors, maybe in air mattresses if they were lucky, or maybe just on a sleeping bag, or maybe they just had a few blankets, and these little kids are sleeping on floors. Did you know that there are kids in our community sleeping on floors? I guarantee you there are children in our community that are sleeping on floors. And so someone had the idea, no child in my town is going to sleep on the floor. And sleep in heavenly peace started, and, and all of these chapters started up all over the country, and what they do is they donate their time, they donate their talent, they, they, they all get together, they donate their, their tools and, their, and their, their supplies. They build bed frames out of two-by-fours. Two-by-four construction. They are solid, they are put together with lag bolts, they're, they're real easy to put together. And they just made the commitment that there are no children that are going to sleep on the floor in their community. And This is an unknown problem. This is a problem that you don't see because you don't go into the kids' bedrooms and you'll see while they're sleeping and and the parents don't talk about it because they're embarrassed. And they're afraid. They're afraid that if you find out that their kid doesn't have a bed, you're going to call DCFS and DCFS is going to come and, and take their kids away. And so nobody talks about it. And it, it's so easy. They just gather, gather together. They have these build days and, and they put bed frames together and they're making a huge difference. And Gretchen's eyes lit up as she told us about sleep in heavenly peace. She just was so excited and so moved by what they were able to do. And, and as I listened to her, you know what I heard? Verse 21. If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. What I heard from Gretchen Holly last week as she described the ministry she works with, I heard treasures in heaven. Now, you don't have to go build a bed to get that. Although you might. 
it definitely is something that we could do around here. You, you, you don't have to go build a bed to get treasures in heaven, although you might. The fruit of the Spirit is goodness, and goodness is about helping. It's about serving. It's about blessing others. It's about meeting the need of someone else instead of meeting your own need. It's about getting so close to Jesus that His goodness shines through you. And so the question is, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? How will we do that? How will we let Jesus' goodness shine through us? And I just want to challenge you and encourage you. Find a way. Find a way to let His goodness shine through you. Find a way to let His goodness shine in your family, in your, in your community, and in, in the church. I think the most important words in this story, the story of the rich young ruler, the most important words are Jesus' final words to this young man. Jesus says, come, follow me. Those are, those are words for us. Come, follow me. When we grow goodness in our lives, when we operate in that fruit, we are following Jesus. And so this week, keep your eyes open, keep your heart open, because you are going to encounter someone who needs goodness. This week, you're going to encounter someone who needs goodness. Someone who needs a sign that there is goodness in this world, that there's goodness in their lives. And when you meet those people, when you meet those people, follow Jesus into their lives. Follow Him. Bring His goodness to them. Bring Jesus to them. Let's stand and pray. Father, we would have to confess that uh, there have been times when we've made goodness all about who we are and and what we have done. We've we've taken careful inventory of our goodness. We, We know when we've been good. We know how we've been good. We know how much we've invested in in being good. We know the good things we've done. We know the the good things in our heart. We've counted those as evidence that we are worthy of heaven. And and so we have to ask your forgiveness for all the times when we have made goodness about ourselves. And Jesus continues to call us, come follow me, come follow me. We ask that as we seek to do good, we would truly be seeking Jesus. Help us to follow him into the good things that we bring into other people's lives. Let us follow him so closely that His goodness shines through us. We want Him to have the glory. We want to lift Him up in, in our lives. and We want other people to see His goodness through us. And so this week, this week, as we have opportunities, let us lift up Jesus. Let us show His goodness to our world, to our friends, to our neighbors. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace. Be good.